In December, the Leadership Habit Podcast will be taking a look back at our first season and reflecting on all we've discussed so far. We've picked out some of our favorite episodes from the past year to share with you. I hope you enjoy this look back and can't wait to bring you more information and inspiration in the new year to come. This week, I picked season one, episode nine, Love is Just Damn Good Business with Steve Farber. Steve is a best-selling author and member of our CrossCom faculty. Steve joined me to discuss his new book, Love is Just Damn Good Business, and I chose this episode because I really believe in his message, and we had a great time talking about it. Steve has such a refreshing take on customer service and how to love what you do and show that love to your clients. I thought this would be a great topic to explore at such a busy time of year, where love is so important to help us deal with our customers better and manage our employees. We can all benefit with a little more love. Hi everyone, it's Jen DeWall, the Leadership Development Strategist for Crestcom. And today on the Leadership Habit Podcast, we are talking to Steve Farber. Steve, it is so great to see you. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much, Jen. It's a great pleasure to be here with you. My gosh, Steve, I you know, you're a best-selling author, and I've had the privilege of reading the majority of your books, uh, The Radical Leap, The Radical Edge, and then Greater Than Yourself. But I haven't been able to read yet your newest book, Love is Just Damn Good Business. You know, it's a funny thing. Neither have I. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, not in not in its book form anyway, because yeah, at, at the time that we're recording it, it's uh, it's just in production. So by the time people are listening to this, it'll be out. So yeah, I'm excited about that. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Can you tell us a little bit about this is your fourth book, fifth? Or what number of book is this for you? Yeah, it's my fourth book. Um, I've done several editions of the first three books, but this is really my first, um, you know, entirely new book in, believe it or not, 10 years. Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah. So these ideas have been out there for, you know, for a long time. Since 2004 was when the first edition of The Radical Leap first came out. So, you know, people have been have been using these ideas in all kinds of businesses and all kinds of contexts for, you know, 15 years. And it's just been amazing to see the impact that these um, uh, simple universal ideas have had on so many different people in so many different businesses. So I'm really excited. I'm thrilled about about the new book, as every author should be about. Right. This is your new product. I mean, and it's such, I mean, the, even the title, right? For me, not, not having read it yet, like love is just damn good business. It's such an important statement that love can be invested and included when we say business. Those two can live together in, their, in, in our life. Yes. And, you know, I, I think uh, the, the reason that I like the title is there's, there's one very simple reason. It's because love is just damn good business. No, it, it is. You're right. right. We are not, we're not accustomed to, to hearing that word in the same sentence as business. Uh, there's, there's some kind of collective conditioning, I think, that we've all been subject to that says that love is weak when it comes to business. That that love is, it's too squishy. It's too, it, 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 it's going to distract you from the hard work of business. 
And if you really look closely at it, if you put that under under a magnifying glass, it is just not true. It 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 just is something that we made up. What what I've found in my work is that, and by the way, when I say in my work, I've been working with just about every kind of company you can imagine now for now it's been 30 years, believe it or not. But what I've found is that that not only is love not weak not inappropriate to use a double negative it really is at the foundation of what great leadership is and it's at the foundation of what great business is so this is really our most potent competitive strategic advantage that we have if we could really understand this and operationalize love as a business practice so is it fair to say that maybe love is an untapped resource for many organizations? I think it's I think it's very fair to say. Um, and, and for the very simple reason that, and maybe I'm oversimplifying this, but for the most part, we business people, and I am one of them, <laughs> we haven't given ourselves permission to even explore it. Uh, and once we start asking the question, well, and this is really the, the critical question, what does or what should that look like in the way that we do business? So in other words, this isn't just to be clear. I'm not talking about love as a, as a sentiment or as an abstraction. I'm talking about love as a discipline and a practice. So, for example, if we really loved our customers, which every company says it does, <laughs> But there are some days that they definitely may not show that they love them. That's right. Yes. <laughs> Let's just say that some days they may not show that they do. <laughs> but every company says, listen, if you, if you say, hey, what, what, do you, what, do you, what do you think about your customers? Tell me about them. They're not going to say, I don't know, a bunch. They're not going to say it publicly anyway. They're a bunch of idiots. <laughs> you know, if they would get out of our way, we can get our jobs done around here. That's not what they say. They say, oh, we love our customers. The customers are the center of our universe. We exist for our customers. Every company says that. And they should, they should say it. But the point is, it's not about saying it. It's about doing it. So it's not enough to say, I, you, I love my customers. The question is, if you really did, what would you do differently? How would you show that in the way that you show up for them, in the way that you develop products and services for them, in the way that you service them, in the way that you respond to their needs, in the way that you handle complaints, you know, all of that stuff. It, and if we lay that out there as the objective to show our customers that we love them, I mean, overtly and intentionally, it, it raises the bar on everything that we do. It raises the standard on everything, uh, on, on, on every expectation that we have internally and externally in our company. This is not a small thing. This is not a frivolous, you know, Valentine's Day card. This is serious stuff. And it opens up a whole new world of possibilities for us, just like you said, untapped resources. Yeah. It, well, and I think, you know, love, I like how you just um, kind of gave that example of, do you really love your customers? Well, yes, that's what we're programmed to say. We're a business. We know that we need our customers. We do value them. But it that second piece is like, well, 
prove it? Like, how are you actually showing that you love them? Like, what does love look like to you? Because sometimes with a cable company, I don't feel that the way that they're showing me love is true love. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But they're happy to print the little button that says we love you and to pay and to, and to put a banner on the wall that says we love our customers. Yeah. Right. So there's a gap. You're right. right. So for example, I, I'll just to put this in tangible terms. Um, and we, we mentioned a lot of uh, talk about a lot of case studies in the book. So this is really, the book is really about example after example after example, and how do you apply this stuff? I don't want to just inspire people and say, oh yeah, that'd be nice. Well, here's how this company does it. Here's how that executive does it. Here's how that leader does it. There's a lot of that sort of illustration in the book because that's how we learn, obviously. So for example, what would it look like if you loved your customer? Uh, if you were, let's take a really sexy business like uh, shipping and logistics. Okay. So one of my favorite examples in the book is a company called Trailer Bridge. Uh, they're in Jacksonville, Florida. Okay. So they are a shipping and logistics company. They primarily ship from the mainland to Puerto Rico. Um, now, 25, 30 years ago, they were toxic. They were uh, the, the low price kind of alternative. Uh, they, they had, they went bankrupt as a result of that. And then they emerged from bankruptcy a number of years ago, burned through four CEOs in three years. Wow. So just stop and think about what that culture was like, right? Their customers only did business with them when they had to, because they were the cheapest and that was how they tried to compete. But in the meantime, he had a really high turnover because people hated working there. And, uh, and you know, they had to turn the place around. So a guy named Mitch Luciano took over as, as CEO. Just so happens, he was, a, um, he was an advocate of love. Uh, he had read The Radical Leap, The Radical Edge, Greater Than Yourself, you know, my first three books that we talked about. And he really took this stuff seriously. So he said he was asked to take over as CEO. And he said, okay, I'll do it, but um, I'm going to do this differently. I'm going to create a culture that people love working in. And if I can create a culture that people love working in, our customers are going to love us because we do great things for them, not because they're, they're not going to tolerate us, all the crap that we do because we're so cheap, right? I so he said to his board, be prepared. This is not going to look like it's looked in the past because he was coming from a place of love. And one of the, and, and by the way, the story just goes on and on and on and on, example after example after example of how they did it. But I'll, first of all, let me tell you what the result has been. The last two years, they have their, their, their revenue, their profitability has exceeded the previous 25 years combined. They're voted wow. number two best place to work in the city of Jacksonville, Florida. They're, uh, they're, they're expanding, they're growing, their customers' numbers are through the roof. Uh, they've just, it's, it's a true transformation because they've, they've operationalized love. So that's a very long backdrop to get to the specifics, okay? So for example, one of the things they did in the past, as far as their customers were concerned, was... They're shipping a container from, let's say, Jacksonville to Puerto Rico, okay? You're a customer, and you're shipping a car 
to Puerto Rico for your family, let's say. And you're expecting it to get there, to leave, to ship on a certain date and get there on a certain date. And then the company doesn't ship. They don't ship. Why didn't they ship? Because the container wasn't full enough. <laughs> right? So they had a policy that said, unless we're 70% full, we're not going to sail. And, it, and that number is give or take a percentage or two, right? Now, that was very internally focused because it costs us money to do that, right? So screw the customer. Right. <laughs> so here's the question. If we really loved our customers, what would we do if the ship was only 50% full on the date that we said we were going to ship? What would we do if we really loved them? We'd ship, right? Because that's what our customer expects. So that's what they started doing. That's what they started doing. And now, you know, fast forward, they rarely ship less than 97% full. Wow. Because they, they've changed the whole expectation. And, and what Mitch did was he, he pushed this idea through to the, you know, all, to the customer service folks. We love our customers. You do what it takes to take care of them. They've done things like, uh, you know, send people out from their, uh, from their uh, fleet to jumpstart a customer's truck on the highway because their battery died after they picked it up from their dock. They've done, you know, it's just, it just goes on and on just example after example of what should that, what does it look like? So that's the challenge for all of us. It's not enough to say, Oh, I love my customers. Like you, like you said, Jen, how do you prove it? No, that's such a powerful example what a huge revenue gain just by starting to really introduce love into their business model. That's, I love that. Hi everyone. It's Jen Dewell and I just wanted to drop in with a quick note. Do your managers know how to build an effective team? Can they create an environment where teamwork is encouraged while setting appropriate benchmarks and delivering projects on time? Are they able to align expectations so their team works effectively toward common goals? You hired the right team. Now let us help you develop them. Crosscom offers a robust leadership development program that focuses on results. Each month, participants learn and apply key leadership skills and tools that will unite teams and drive organizational growth. We are serious about accountability. After each class, we help participants apply those leadership skills in group coaching sessions. Are you ready to take your leadership development to the next level? Contact us at crosscom.com so we can help you develop your leaders. And now back to our podcast. And I, I have a few questions about your book that I wanted to ask, because it is, you know, going back to that topic, it's something that can be a little vulnerable, a little uncomfortable, because we're not accustomed to talking about it in business. But in talking about your book, Love is Just Damn Good Business, why don't leaders spend more time cultivating love at work? Yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's because we we think that's inappropriate or we, or we have a misunderstanding of what it means, right? So we have to get really clear on what love means and what it doesn't mean. So I, I appeal to common sense in this. Uh, maybe that's a dangerous thing to do. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I've had people say to me, well, don't you worry about is particularly like, you know, uh, HR folks are particularly sensitive to this sort of thing. Aren't you concerned that people that that's, you know, it's going to give people permission to be inappropriate. And it gets into that harassment kind of arena. So here's what I have to say about that. 
that's not love. That's aggression. Yeah. That's predation. That's not love. Love is, is about doing whatever you can to make the people around you as successful as they could possibly be. Your customers, as well as your employees, I should say, especially your employees, your colleagues, and yourself, right? So I think the reason we stay away from it is because it makes us nervous. We don't really understand what it means, and it's got some baggage associated with it. Right. Another reason is what we, you know, what we talked about earlier. Uh, we're we're kind of conditioned to believe that it's it, it, it. That's what you do for your friends and family, and and you know people in your so-called personal life. But it doesn't apply at work. Why? Because. That's the best answer we have. So I think that's why we don't pay attention to it is, is we think there's something wrong with us. You know, I, I can, <laughs> Jen, I can't tell you how many times I've had people come up to me after listening to me speak at a conference or reading one of my books or whatever and say to me, you know what? I am so glad you're talking about this because this is the way I've always felt. And I've always thought that there was something wrong with me. I thought that or, or that I haven't done anything with it because people would think I was crazy. So just hearing the confirmation that that impulse that you've had but haven't acted on is the impulse you should act on is really liberating for a lot of people. There are, there are people listening to this podcast right now, I guarantee you, that are saying, wow, finally somebody is saying it. Now, what can I do differently? Because I know I'm not crazy. <laughs> so that's, that's why. We, we haven't paid attention to it because we haven't thought we were supposed to. And maybe just giving people permission to pay attention to it is enough to change the game. And I think, you know, maybe I'm completely way off on this, but this just came up while you were talking. I do think we are conditioned in some way to think that our primary focus should always be the product or business operations or that in that love is seen as an emotion. And so that's something that furthers us from accomplishing those goals in those areas. Whereas, you know, we're programmed to think that way, like don't get emotional or don't get too invested or don't treat your people like people because we need to get this process going and this product that way. And it's, I think we're conditioned to yes. look at it that way. And I think, you know, I love that movement of really seeing your people and it's not seeing your people, your customers, your employees, your coworkers, what can I do to help make your life better, make you better, make us better. Yeah, and we so just tend to look at love, love as an emotion, which it is. And according to Tina Turner, a secondhand one at that. <laughs> a secondhand emotion. <laughs> right. But uh, and so, so what's really important in all of this, Jen, is that we have a tendency, I think, most of us peoples, we have a tendency to sort things out into an either or scenario, right? Yeah. So I can't do the love thing because I'm focused on product development, et cetera. Why? Why, why are those mutually exclusive? The, the truth is it's about both. It's not giving up one for the other. It's not that, oh, okay, now I gotta be a love focused leader. That means I don't care about results anymore. Right. <laughs> Entirely not the point. The point is you're going to get better results no matter what it is you're trying to do, no matter how you determine or measure what those results are. 
results in terms of productivity, results in terms of productivity, results in terms of customer you know, feedback numbers, results in terms of turnover. It's going to affect all of that. Now, that sounds like a huge proposition, and it is. And I'm not saying it's easy that this, you know, you, you show up for work tomorrow and say, no, I love everybody. And you'll see all the results. <laughs> it's about starting with that and then getting to work, weaving that into the way that you do everything. And that's going to have an effect on all of the results that you get. And so I think it's fair to say that, you know, it's not all about trying to directly measure love as an emotion, it's trying to still see how by switching your position and promoting love yeah. can drive the results. Because I think some analyticals might be saying you can't measure love, so still, why would I do it? And it's not about that. It's about the ripple effect that's created in your organization. Exactly. And it's, but it's also a really good question. Um, you know, how do, how do you measure? How do you measure love? How do you measure if, if somebody is really, you know, um, seeing seeing love be more tangible in the way they work. That's, that's a hard thing to do, but there are lots of things you can measure. So for example, one of the things that, that we love to use in the business world to measure customer love, we just haven't used that language, but it does measure it, is net promoter score. Ah, yes, yes. Net promoter score is all based on to how likely are you to recommend our product and service to friends or family. Well, if, if I love you, business, love your product, love your service, love the way you guys you know, treat me and take care of me as your customer, damn right I'm going to be talking about you, and that's going to be a 10 on the Net Promoter Score. Right. So we can measure customers' responses. We can measure productivity at work. Um, you know, how, uh, how likely are people to you know, do great work efficiently? and creatively and consistently, you know, all those things that we, that most companies try to measure. Then the question is, can you draw a direct parallel between those increases in numbers and love? And I think you can. Uh, I think, you know, the, a lot of the evidence here is admittedly anecdotal. Uh, but I think it's because love is such a foundational thing that it, it, it has an effect on so many other things that are measurable. So a good question to ask yourself is, how's it working without it? <laughs> yes. How happy are your people? Yeah, ask the trailer <laughs> bridge. How is it working without it when you, you know, blew through four CEOs in three years and four heads of HR in the same period of time and went bankrupt? How was that lack of love thing working? And then what happens once you added it? Okay, now, can I draw a, you know, a scientifically airtight argument that shows cause and effect? And maybe, maybe not. But the anecdotal evidence is pretty damn strong. And it's certainly, it's certainly worth a try. For no other reason, it's going to feel a lot better. Right. Absolutely. Well, and you can see it, right? You you see it. If you're in an organization where people are unhappy, all you have to do is open your eyes, right? And you look around and you can see people's body language. You can see how they're talking and yeah. you can very easily see if they are in love with you. 
And it's and if people want, if they love their jobs, like they will tell everyone about their jobs. If they're not loving their jobs, they are not going to tell anyone. And they will actually probably tell everyone never to consider working for you or doing business with you. (laughs) Yeah, great example. So that's that's another um, just to, to finish up this trailer bridge story, at least for now. That's the other thing that they found is that here was a company that was spending tons of money on recruiting. Right. Because you had to convince people to come and work there. Yeah. They spend virtually no money on recruiting anymore because their best recruiters are their own employees. And they've, they've actually, you know, trained their employees uh, on recruiting because they're, they're always bringing friends and family and people on because they want them to come work with them at this great place called Trailer Bridge. Uh, so they've saved tons of money on recruitment and have completely up leveled the quality of their talent because they're getting, they're really getting the right people in the door because everybody wants to work there now. I want to say everybody, I know it's a slight exaggeration, but a lot of people want to work there now because of the culture they've created. No, but that's what happens. I, you know, when those companies really create that culture where people thrive, who was, who wouldn't want to work there, especially in a time where so many organizations are asking you to do more with less if you're in a smaller organization. And so the burnout rate is high and you know, you're not connected with what you're doing, or you can sense that there's a lot of turnover and the cu- the culture is declining. Or if you're experiencing layoffs or downsizing, there's no love there. And how can you build that up? I mean, there's so many different periods that a business could really value from bringing that into their culture. Absolutely. Well, yeah, you know, you're, uh, uh, you're singing my song. <laughs> Well, I have another question for you. Um, you have a LEAP model, and LEAP is an acronym, but I'm curious, what is your LEAP model for extreme leadership, and how can it explain Love's pivotal role in business strategy, and so how can they use it to run a successful business? Uh, so so that's a four-hour answer. I'll try to do it in a couple of minutes. <laughs> uh, LEAP is uh, obviously is part of the title of my first book, The Radical LEAP, uh, and it stands for Love, Energy, audacity, and proof. Okay. Cultivate love, generate energy, inspire audacity, provide proof. Now, so what you can infer from that is that I've been teaching this love thing for 15 years because Leap first came out, as I mentioned, in 2004. Okay. So the whole framework is, is about applying love as a business principle. So we can think of it this way. Love is the foundation for the whole thing. Love generates energy. If you love your work, you're more energetic about it. You bring more of yourself to it. If you love uh, your team, uh, you're going to energize them. They're going to be more committed. If you love your customer, as we've been talking about, uh, you're going to do things that, that for them that are going to get them talking about you and spending more money with you, et cetera. So love generates energy. Love also inspires audacity. The way that I define audacity is it's not think outside the box. It's more like what box. It's, it's, a, it's a bold and blatant disregard for normal constraints in order to change things for the better. So we need to be audacious in our goals. Uh, you know, Jim Collins taught years ago and talked about good to great or built to last or built to great or good to last, uh, talked about big, hairy, audacious goals, right? BHAGs. So it's that kind of a thing. We want to be audacious uh, with our, what we, uh, the challenges that we set for ourselves and the impact that we want to have 
on the people around us, including our customers. Love inspires audacity. If I, if I love what we're doing and the values that we stand for and everything that we're trying to accomplish together, I will, I'll be more audacious. I'll stretch more. I'll think outside that proverbial box. Uh, and and I'll, I'll try to accomplish really phenomenal things. And finally, love requires proof. So it's not, again, about using the right language. It's about proving that we mean it through the things that we do every day, including being congruent between our own words and our actions, right? I, I need to, I prove my credibility to you by, by making sure that I'm consistent, that the, the things that you see me do are equated to the words that come out of my mouth. So if you take that LEAP framework, love, energy, audacity, and proof, and apply it to anything that you're working on, and I, I mean anything. So let's say this podcast, okay? When you, when you and the folks at Crestcom said, we're going to do this really cool podcast, uh, if you, first of all, love the idea, generated energy around everything that it would take to get it done, inspire you and the rest of the team to be audacious in the pursuit. Where are you going to reach people all around the world, just in your neighborhood, right? The more you love it, the more audacious you are. And then proving that you're doing it through the actual steps, the Im implementation of the steps and the results that you get, right? Whatever it is that you're trying to do, if you can cultivate love for it, generate energy around it, inspire people to be audacious in the pursuit of it, and prove that you're making progress, it applies to absolutely everything. So it's a, it's a universal framework. And we're seeing phenomenal results in, in companies like, for example, Trailer Bridge or OAC up in Seattle, um, who's an engineering consulting firm. We just we see it play out over and over again. It's this is very tangible, concrete stuff, and I'm I just you know I get I learn so much from my readers and my clients. You know it's amazing because I, I hear stories all the time. Well, here's how we're doing. I was like, wow, I never thought of that. That's fantastic. Uh, so it's a universal model. It's you know, and what's interesting about love is it's I think the other piece that I probably pulled from that too is that love gives you permission to be audacious, right? There's that, like, if you feel like you are loved and supported and that you're valued, yeah, who wouldn't want to work harder for that? You know, love is a motivator. It's extremely, like, as you said, the energy piece of the leap, but love gives you permission to take risks because you can say, I, I've got this, you have, I can trust myself or that I'll figure it out if I hit any roadblocks. I think that's a really powerful piece that's within the LEAP model. Yeah, that's a really great observation. It's, you know, it comes back to um, the, the impact of a culture on behavior, right? So every company nowadays says we want our people to be more innovative and creative, right? We want to be disruptors. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday, we called it innovate. Uh, <clears throat> so we want people to be innovative, which means being creative, which means trying new things, which means being willing to take risks. And these are things that, that conceptually, every, again, just about every leader in business agrees with. But if I'm that person that's being asked to be innovative and creative and take risks, mm -hmm. if I'm scared that 
um, I'm going to be persecuted <laughs> for taking a risk and then it doesn't work out. If I really don't believe that this company has my back, I'm not going to, I'm just not going to do it. I'll nod my head and say, yeah, okay, I'll be more innovative. You betcha. <laughs> and that'll be it. Right. So you're right. When I feel loved, I'm going to be more audacious. I'm going to be more creative. I'm going to take more risks. I'm, I'm going, I'm going to work harder because I, I'm intrinsically motivated to do that because I just, I, I want to make this place as great as it can be. Yeah. And we want to do well. I guarantee that every single person that's listening to this podcast right now wants to add value. They want to have meaning. They want to do things with love. Because they, I mean, it's a beautiful energy to have just in the sense that it's very motivating. It takes away that that gossip mentality. It takes away that criticism. When you look at things through the lens of love of like, how can I make you better instead of how can I tell you what you did wrong? Yeah. There's a different like way that we feel and show up. And I think at a fundamental human level, we all desire that. It's just going back to our earlier conversation. It hasn't, you know, it's either been a shot down request or something that's not necessarily acceptable in the workplace, or maybe we just haven't seen that it could work successfully within an organization that you can talk about this because it's been so shunned. Yeah, that, that's that's right. And, you know, it, it's uh, again, it's not about it's not about just, you know, saying the right words. It's about we really need to prove that we that we mean this. So from a leadership perspective. It's not enough for me to, you know, to say, I love you, man. <laughs> I do just, hey, I just want you guys to know that even though I treat you like crap, <laughs> I really do love you. You know, my deepest core of my being. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about how do you create an environment? What are the things that you can do to show that love to those people that you work with? And then they will be more likely to, to do better work. I mean, again, this is the thing. This isn't about, it, it goes back to what we've talked about before. It's not an either or scenario. It's not I either have to love people or have high expectations. Absolutely not. The greater the love is, the higher the expectations are. And, and the, more, the more accountable people are. Because if I love this place, if I love this business, love what we're trying to do together, my in some ways, my tolerance for apathy, subpar behavior, you know, uh, lack of follow through, my tolerance actually decreases, right? Because I love this place so much. So this is not about, I'm not going to give you, if I love you, I'm not going to give you, you know, I'm not going to call you out when you do something wrong. Of course I am. I'm more likely to, but I'm going to do it in a way that's more positive and in a way that's more constructive. Because what I want to do is build this place up, not feel better by tearing you down. Hi, everyone. It's Jen Dewell, and I just wanted to drop in with a quick note. Are you looking for a proven program to improve your management team's communication skills and create happier and more productive employees? Are your leaders able to take your strategy and break it down effectively for their teams to achieve your vision? Are they able to inspire and motivate their employees to produce real results and meet daily demands? Great managers don't happen overnight. Partner with Crestcom to develop your team and obtain results. Whether you are looking to improve employee engagement and reduce turnover or cultivate a more inclusive culture, 
Our intensive leadership development program provides a diverse set of tools and skill sets for leaders to thrive in today's workforce. Contact us at crestcom.com so we can help you develop your leaders. And now back to our podcast. I'm a millennial. I'm, I'm closer to a Gen Xer, so I'm not a very like young millennial, but the one thing that I will say from my experience of working with a lot of millennials is that the desire for that feedback, for that support, for that culture, you know, what you're promoting right now, love is just damn good business, is something that I would say, and this is kind of, a, this is a generalization, but this is something that millennials have really kind of challenged or, like organizations to switch the way that they're doing things. And I can just yeah. see how this fits in so nicely with the desires of the newest, biggest generation that's hitting the workforce yeah. is that people do want more of a human connection. And the the old techniques of that were used in the past will be happy that you have a job here or you have this and we don't necessarily have to be regard or regard you for your emotions, feelings at X, Y, and Z, that's changed with a global economy, with all of the information. We can see that there are other companies that are providing those needs. And when you're not, or if you're still running things the way that you did before, people will continue to leave because they have choices now and choices that were presented in a different way than what they were 10, 20, 30 years ago. And so I love that this is almost prescriptive as an approach that many companies can take to really create a culture that is one where I would say your younger millennials do want to stay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's really interesting, Jen, because I'm, as you're talking about the millennial generation and it's, and everything you said is true. And I have, um, I'm a, you know, I'm a big fan of, of this, this thinking and with this, you know, native technology coming in people that grew up with, with technology and, and, this desire for connection and making a difference. And the interesting thing is that this is not entirely new. 30 years ago, was it 30 years ago? No, maybe a little less than that. Maybe I'm going to say, you know, mid, mid nineties. Okay. When I first started at, at a place called the Tom Peters company, right? So Tom Peters, was one of the greatest management thinkers of our day. And I spent six and a half years as vice president of his company. <clears throat> Back then, these were the discussions we were having. This is the mid nineties. Wow. Desire for meaning at work. And that work is not a place that you're going to, you're not going to spend the rest of your life at one job that, that you're going to, you know, contribute as much as you can while you're here until you go on to the next great thing. Apple was talking about that back in those days, that your experience at Apple will help you anywhere else. It was, it was kind of revolutionary. So this is not a product of the millennial generation. This is a trend that we've been pursuing as business people for quite some time. What's happening now is, I think, it's the convergence of that desire with technology, with an older generation like myself, for example, who, who really has grown up cultivating these ideas to some degree. So it's not, it's not entirely shocking to us anymore, right? So now we're really faced with how do, we, how do we really make this happen? We've been talking about it for a long time. 
Now we have a chance to really make this the, the, the norm versus the exception, the norm versus the aberration, right? I think it should be normal for you and I to, you know, meet up at a, at a cocktail party and, and I say to you, you know, hey, what are you doing? What, what are you working? You know, what, what are you working on? And where are you working? And you rave about your company. Say, oh, this place is fantastic. I think we do this great work. I can't wait till Monday. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> My reaction to that should be, well, of course, because that's what work is supposed to be. But that's not my reaction now, right? My reaction now is going to be, really? That's incredible. <laughs> On the other hand, if you say, oh, this place sucks. My boss is an idiot. People are stupid. My customers are, are you know, they're morons. <laughs> And, I, and I'm just, I'm there to pay the bills. I might have compassion for you listening to your tale of woe, but I'm not going to be surprised, right? Right. Because that's kind of what we expect. We need to flip that around, man. It needs to be, that this needs to be the norm. We spend so much of our lives at work. Why shouldn't we bring our hearts there? The, the idea that, that we pluck our heart out of our chest and leave it throbbing on the sidewalk until the workday is over is, is, first of all, it's insane. And second of all, it's, it, it just doesn't serve us. So why? Why pursue it that way? Why not flip it around? Yeah, why not? Why not? So the, you know, one of the last questions I have for you then, Steve, is how can leaders apply love to better lead their organizations and elevate their customers? Well, I've got a great book for them to read to start with. That's, that's a good place to start. <laughs> Love is just damn good business. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, no, but seriously, um, <clears throat> I think a lot of this starts with uh, something very simple, and and you know we can also think of this as as a summary for what we've been talking about here for this last bit of time. Start by asking yourself, leader, business person, entrepreneur, start by asking yourself a question similar to this: Why do I? love this business. Why do I love this business? That's the first. So that's the introspective part, reflection part. And the second part of the question is, and how do I show it? Or how could I show it better? Right? So instead of giving, you know, giving folks a long list of things to do on this podcast, I would just love for people to, to play around with that question. Now, the variation on the theme is, um, what do I love about this business? Because honestly, for a lot of people who say, why do I love this business? Well, I don't. <laughs> I really, <laughs> really, really don't. Why do I love my team? Mm. Um, well, uh, the team I'm in right now, that one. Uh, so I understand it's, it's a high bar for some people to start at. So, so the variation is, what do I love about this? Whatever the context is, this team, this company, this customer, and how could I show that better? And what, the, what that does, that question is designed to help you inspire yourself, to get you thinking in the right direction, and, and to start generating uh, some specific actionable steps that you can begin to take. And then, like I said, I was being half facetious, you know, in the book, you're going to see lots and lots and lots of examples of people that have answered that question, that very question, and answer it every day in the way they do business. 
That's I love that. That's a great final. Well, and it's something that our listeners can really think about right now. What do you love about your organization, your customers, your projects and assignments, your peers, and start to do that reflection and think about how would things change if we actually started to show them that we love them instead of saying that we loved them. Exactly. Steve, I have one final question for you. Yeah. And this is the question that we close every one of our podcasts with. And it is, what is your leadership habit for success? What do you do to be successful or to be the leader that you are? Um, that's a really great question. I don't know that this falls in the category of habit. Um, but if I look over the over the course of my career, maybe maybe it does. Uh, it's about talking with people. For me, it's it's having a personal connection, and and learning other people's stories. Uh, that has informed everything that I do, and it's also how I've built my um, my network of really beloved friends. So, for example. Um, it is, it is not out of character for me when I get an email from somebody who's read one of my books, for example. So I just wanted to let you know, I read, you know, I read, well, soon, maybe it'll be love is just damn good business. And, uh, and I'm just writing to say, I really appreciate it. it made a difference for me. Well, what I do is I pick up the phone and I call that person. Oh, and for one thing, it blows their mind for another thing. And this is rather selfish on my part, it gives me a chance to, uh, uh, to get some of that energy, you know, head on. And I, I, I am not exaggerating, Jen. There are people now that I count among my closest friends that started exactly that way. No kidding. Yeah, absolutely. Um, from 15 years ago when Radical Leap first came out, when I first started getting those kinds of emails, which kind of blew my mind at first, and just follow it up with the phone call. And I don't do it 100% of the time. It needs to be more of a habit than it's been. Um, but that's, that's one way. And then the other way is, you know, I, I get to meet people when I'm out and about and speaking. And people come to our events here in San Diego, like the Extreme Leadership Experience or Certification Program. And I get to hear their stories. And, and that informs everything that I do, reminds me why I do the work that I do. And it helps me be a better teacher. Because... I didn't make any of this stuff up. This is all based on observation and working with people and hearing their stories. I love that. So it's about, you know, it's about connecting and being curious with people to understand their story. Yeah. That's genuine connections. It's not just i I'm going to send you a face or a Facebook friend request and we'll call it a day. It's I right. want to connect with you. Right. So the habit part of that is the, the actual action is to, engage in one-to-one live conversation in some form or another. I love that. That's a great challenge too to our listeners to see if you can try what Steve does and to try and have those genuine one-on-one connections. Try me out. Send me an email. See what happens. What's your What's your email, Steve, that they can email you at? Steve at extremeleadership.com. Steve at extremeleadership.com. And you'll also find it in our show notes. Steve, it was so great to talk to you today. I really enjoyed our conversation. And for those listeners, his newest book, Love is Just Damn Good Business is coming out. And I encourage you to check it out. I know that it's going to be 
life-changing for you and your organization. Thanks so much, Jen. It's been a real pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this look back at our interview with Steve Farber. Next week, I'll be taking a look back at my conversation with Amy Cohen and how to overcome the seven deadly sins that sabotage your success. This is a great episode for those of you thinking about what major changes you want to make in the upcoming 2020 year.